This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Drinking with Authors, the literary briefs edition words. I love getting drunk by this point. Okay. My name is Erica Lance. I'm your host today. My co-host is C.R. Rice, who may or may not have a smoke alarm go off in the background. It's fun. <laughs> Voss and Apple Crisp. And our amazing guest today is Candace Cole. <laughs> okay, let's talk about what we're drinking because it's going really well for me. So I found um, homegrown, homegrown. Uh, uh, hard, hard words, hard cider, flat rock. It's called semi-tart blackberry. It's super exciting. It's Sounds up here so in good. North Carolina. It's, it is really good because it's not too sweet. One of my biggest problems with a lot of the ciders that they make is they're so sweet. So you can have like one of them and then you're like, okay, I'm good. That's enough. You know, too much, mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, CR, what are you drinking that you may have to throw on whatever's burning in your house? <laughs> I don't know if that would be a good idea. I think that would make matters worse. Um, <laughs> Fuel for the flames. <laughs> right? Um, I am doing vodka with cranberry ginger ale. That sounds exciting. Sounds so good. Sounds very it's exciting. weirdly good. I wasn't sure, but like, it's, it's weird. It's weird. I appreciate it. Candace, what are you drinking? And I have a little glass of Chardonnay. I'm trying to get in focus. Or is that me out of focus? I don't know. You're but in anyway. focus. The glass is not, but there we go. There it was. There it, there is. it is. There it's it in is. Focus. Oh, yeah, cool. perfect. Oh. And it's very crisp, very nice, and very refreshing. So I love it. Refreshing. That is awesome. Okay. This is rapid fire questions. Are you ready, my friend? Uh, sure. <laughs> okay. Nobody's ever ready, but I'm going to, you know, actually I've had people do homework to be on the show and go to do it, but they not realize they were going to drink for an hour before they go to do it. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work out well for most. Okay. So the first question is, what is your favorite book of all time? Anything by Diana Gabaldon. I started with Outlander and I've moved on through all of them. I love them. Why? Because the time travel, the details she puts in the story, you can escape in those stories like none other, in my humble opinion. Um, It's a classic love story. And I just love the characters and all the craziness that this poor woman gets into when she crosses through the stones. Very cool. What is your least favorite book of all time? Anything that I had to read in college, basically. I was an education major to start with. And if you want to read dry stuff, you can read education books, how to teach school. And so I would certainly put those at the top of the list. Anything that's highly technical in, and gosh, all the school teachers out there are going to throw tomatoes, but that's just the way I felt about it. It was very, I didn't like them. I think a lot of people have put stuff on their list when I asked them that question of enforced reading. Like this is something oh, yeah. I had yeah. to read. Yeah. Um, you never finish? forced read. Yeah. I always just ignored it. Of course. Yeah. You, okay. You are a rebel of so <laughs> many like levels. Like, I mean, just the fact that you were like, I'm tired of this stove. I'm going to burn it down tonight. Like, uh, we get it. I was so looking forward to that. You have no idea. Who decides at 630 at night that like, screw it. I'm going to do the whole process of making like an actual apple crisp. I did. And then I burned it. 
Oh, well, they don't call it crisp for nothing. <laughs> Scraping. Okay. So, um, Candace, what is your favorite um, book that has either been made into a movie or a TV show? What is your favorite one? Can you say Outlander again? Yeah, I'd say Outlander again. Um, although they didn't strictly follow the book, they got the essence of it. And I think that's what you can't hope that the, a book is going to be translated totally in, into the movie appropriately, but I think they got the essence of it. So I would say the Outlander series. Yep. Yeah, I have friends that used to get together to watch that. I think it's because of the Celts, but that's all. No, there's name. that. Yeah. Maybe. Jamie. <laughs> yes, I was going to say. Had to love a guy in a kilt. Yeah, the actors inspired it. Well, um, yeah, whatever. So what is your least favorite what 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 um movie or tv show did they take a book that you like and you were like this is garbage i think that pretty much anytime they take any of the um the traditionally published sci-fi horror movie kind of things and try to turn it into a story i think they can't do it because they have the time constraint to do it especially television but anytime you have an hour and a half movie or an hour tv show the juicy bits are gone and all you get is sometimes you don't even get the essence of what the author did so to come up with a specific one would be very hard um but there have been a lot of them where i've read the book and saw the movie and i'm like you didn't read the book you know so it's like right off the top i can't think of one but i'm thinking of when i really don't like it is when they don't follow the book at least to the point where you recognize the book but they're developing a movie or a film for the mass market that probably never read the book so there you have it <laughs> no it's true and i also think it has to do with who you get and did they like it or is it a director that was handed a hi we bought this book yeah. make a movie and it yeah. depends on who the script writer is and you know what's interesting is i talked to a couple of producers in hollywood and we were talking uh it's through my uh a relation that i have and um i've, I've written screenplays and i've written plays and stuff like that which is a whole different genre of writing right and we were talking about it and what they were impressed about was that i had written fiction books before and that I was doing that because a lot of screenwriters can't write a fiction book. They can't oh. do world building. Oh, like that's that's part of it. You don't realize is if it's handed to a professional script writer, they don't do world building. Like mm -hmm. they don't do all of that stuff that goes behind mm -hmm. the story that they're trying to tell. They're just writing it in that moment. And so it's interesting because it's also how they perceive the book or how the director perceived the book if they read the book. If they read or, the book. Yeah. And even if they read the book, everybody gets different things out of books. Yeah. Like some people read a, a story and they're like, oh, that was so tragic. And I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That was like the best love story. And they're like, oh, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, whatever, you know, and, but it's true. All of us perceive a story differently. And we all perceive the characters differently. Right. Well, and, and, and thinking again, and you gave me a moment to think about it, you know, I love the book Eat, Pray, Love, but when I saw the movie, I, it was flat. Um, I, I didn't get the same vibe out of that. And I, I know I'm, I'm probably alone on that, but I think sometimes when you read the book, you create a world on top of the world that the author creates. So you're only, you're setting yourself up for disappointment when you see somebody try to portray that, um, 
that to me, that's the, the hardest piece is when I have read the book and then I go and watch the movie. Now I, I excuse the Gabaldon movies and Rice, bless her heart. I love that woman's writing, but the vampire Lestat was the worst. Oh my God. I'm not even going to say the man's name who played that role. Worst Tom casting. Bruce. Yes, Tom. The worst casting on the planet. So that totally spoiled me from the the absolute magic inside those horror books that she wrote because I just think she's just absolutely brilliant and then poof it comes out on the screen and it's like what <laughs> I have to say I thought they cast like... Louis really well though oh I yeah. thought Louis was perfect because oh. he was so whiny and Louis yes. was so whiny in the book yes but I love that character. I absolutely agree. And I thought he played that role very well. And the, and the little girl who's now a grown-up actress. I mean, you know, it's just, they, they were perfect. And that saved the movie, in my humble opinion. But yeah, yeah, it's all about the casting. And it's all about everything else that goes into the mix. No, I agree. What were you going to say, Sierra? Oh, I treat movies or shows that were made from books kind of like they're fan fiction. Yes. like you know like if you ever That's have good, something because yeah. it's you know it's going to be different and like yeah. instead of letting it destroy like your own perception of it I always treat it like it has nothing to do with the book like it's a yeah. fan fiction you're and, safer that way <laughs> yeah that way you don't get upset yeah I still and you're get making, upset but it, it's the thought that counts and and you're bringing up a couple of other thoughts I love the book Wicked but when I saw the play I'm like oh it's missing something and I love the, the the poem Cats, but the, the play doesn't quite go there. It, it takes off in its own little direction. And that has to happen. But, you know, if you're a purist, and I don't even purport to be one, but you kind of like going, wait, that didn't happen in the book. No, that didn't happen in the book. And, and if you do that, you get yourself caught up and you can't do no, that. No, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, you know, at some point, hopefully in a another life I'll go down this path as I always thought I'd be really great at writing screenplays off of books because my first question would be which story in this book are you trying to tell right and then let's put together the story you're trying to tell but I and I think it's very true with almost anything is that you you fall in love or not with some of the characters in a story or some of the plot lines in a story or some notion in the story and mm -hmm. when that is not brought to life on the screen you'll never get a book on a screen like you'll never no. do that right no. but we were talking about this with dune the other day because um i'm listening to dune with my boyfriend now he wanted to listen to the book he watched the most recent movie and told me don't watch this movie because i already told him how disappointed i've been about every other thing they've done with dune just right me completely crazy right and so he's like, don't watch it yet. You're not going to like it. And then I talked to friends that are really big Dune fans. And they're like, wait, it's just the beginning. Wait until they get the next movies out for uh. that, right? But he's listening to the book and he's like, yeah, that's not in the movie. That's not in the movie. I'm like, I can guarantee you they're not going to put this entire religion that is in this <laughs> book in the movie. Like they're, that's right. never going to happen because right. to explain it, you have to read the book, Right. right? Right. And I think that's a really good point that you made is, is they have to, they, 
whoever makes the movie has to look at what story are they trying to tell? What's the, are they going for the theme? Are they going for one character's arc? They can't possibly put the whole book into a movie because that's a lot. That would be a five hour movie. Shows. Yeah. I, always, I always tell my husband, I was like, I choose a show over a movie anytime because you can do so much more with the show. You can dive mm-hmm. into it so much deeper because like you said, you have a time constraint. You yes. don't want to make somebody sit there for four hours to get the full, <laughs> the full book. And you also yeah. don't want to, you know, if you're in a series, you're looking at 50 movies and there's yeah. no way you're going to find a set of actors right. that can, right. can do any of yeah. that. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. Okay. Sierra, uh, you get the next question. Uh, what is your favorite underrated book? That is a very good question. And I would have to think about that a bit. Um, I'd have to think a lot. You're making me think, ladies. I think that a lot of the... Little did people know that on Drinking (laughs) With Authors, you you have have to think. As you said, after an (laughs) hour. We get deep. (laughs) I think a lot of the... I'll I'll switch it this way. I think a lot of the underrated um, stories... Um, and I'm blocking on her name. I'm having one of those things like Ursula, mm-hmm. um, the sci-fi writer that writes all that good stuff. Um, Are Ursula you talking Gwen. about the Earthsea? Yes. I think yeah. that people don't appreciate books like that. Those are those books are so they have so much going on in them. I think some people are intimidated by that. And they say, I don't understand the plot. Okay. Sometimes the book doesn't have a total plot that you follow. It's a concept. Um, And I think those are underrated in the sense of people feel obligated to, to say they read it. Okay. Oh yeah. I read that book. Oh yeah. I really read that book. And they didn't really get into the book as the author had intended, although I'm not sure authors intend anything. I think they just do the process and whatever unfolds, unfolds. But I think that the underrated business is the part of you don't appreciate the story for what the author really was trying to say. So any of those in-depth books, um, there's a lot of message in a lot of these books that people just don't take the time to listen to. So they say, I didn't like that book. That was too long. That was too hard to read. Um, and I fear that we're going into that direction a lot more right now is that people aren't going to read the, the deep, deep stories. <laughs> and I don't mean to go into like the classics because, you know, you go back to the question about being forced to read. Holy crow, you know, the middle school books that you had to read were like, oh my God. But, you know, I think those are underrated. I think it's underrated. I think we are going quickly past a lot of the classics that I did like um, and maybe saying that they're, they're not worthy to be read because there's something in there that could offend someone. So we're putting that over here. We're putting that over here. And what are we doing with our books now? Are we getting a little too vanilla with them? Are we getting a little too um, commercial, too trad published? Um, and are we losing that thinking process possibly? But that's that's a long answer to a, a good question. But um, underrated, I think there's a lot of books out there that are underrated in terms of people just too lazy to, to read them. <laughs> Well, I think that you have a couple kinds of books out there. Don't get me started on traditional publishing because 
we don't have enough time for me to eviscerate them on this podcast. But I think that um, there's escapism type books where people want to read something that is not hard to read. And I don't mean like a lot of words, but I mean, not, you know, that you can just pick up and you can get away, especially in the last couple of years, you need to escape a little bit. And, you know, some of the books that I enjoyed reading, like I love Ender's Game. It's probably one of my favorite of all time by Orson Scott Card. Now we could get into all the, whatever he comes out of his mouth, which is a very interesting, different story. Right. But that book, I love that book, but that book has layers upon layers upon layers of what it's trying to communicate. I've read it several times. It's one of my favorite books to reread, but you know, during the time when, you know, you you may have stressors in your life, you, you might be around people who have stressors in their life, all these kind of things. You don't want something that's hard. You want something that's correct to read yes. and guide you through that. And so I think as a culture right now, obviously there's the Twitter and the, the blah, blah, but there is a you don't want something hard right now. We're still in the Mm -hmm. middle of this. Some people are still losing their lives or having difficulties or not seeing loved ones or all these other complications that come with this. And you just have to go, I I need a break. And I want to read about a cute little romantic witch situation in a small town and be very happy that I'm doing that. So Mm -hmm. I, I can see what you're saying, but I think that like now, right now we need it. I'm really hoping it doesn't go away, but I think the more strong, small publishers, and I say small because they're not Macmillan, not that they don't have a volume or whatever, the publisher, I can say this, um, that are are starting to break the molds, but it's a very thick walled room that they're breaking out of. So you can hear them and they're coming and there's tiny little holes in the wall, but you know, we're not quite there where we've broken out of it to go, here's all this other stuff you can read. Because if you look at what a lot of the major publishers do, they they are very formulaic in yeah. what they want to publish. And it's really yeah. interesting to me every time they come out with a wild and crazy book and you're like, that's, that's breaking that. That's a rebel book to you right there that you just came up with. That's what you're going to go. Look at, we're breaking the mold and we're putting this yeah. book out. And we're all like all everyone who self publishes or indie publishes or small presses. Like, do you actually know what the fuck you're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, they're like, True. look at how edgy this is. And we're all like vanilla, vanilla. We call vanilla over there. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. Right. Yeah. And I agree with you too, that, you know, we, we, we need some way to escape the noise and the noise is prevalent in every corner of our lives now. Um, Again, that goes back to me when I'm in writing mode, I don't have any noise around me because there's plenty of noise out there. There's plenty of noise out there. Yeah. You know, a dozen 24 seven news channels and you've got all these social media things and everybody's got an opinion and you know what they say about opinions, but it's like, oh God, you know, you need something that speaks to you. It might not speak to him or her, or this one over there, but something that just takes you out of that for a while. That's what reading should be. <laughs> I, I agree. So what are your, um, what are your little writer quirks that your editor brings up? A lot of us have steady quirks and some of us have new and invented quirks that we, we do. Mine are not new and inventive. Um, 
mine are pretty standard quirky things is that I, I overwrite things sometimes. Um, I kind of overthink things in my real world. So I overwrite them when five words could say it, I feel like I have to write a paragraph, you know, and the reader doesn't want that. You know, the craft is saying a lot with a little. And so I have to really work hard at that um, because I tend to over overdo it. Say it, you know, how many times do you say, I love you? Okay, just say it, damn it. <laughs> but, you know, in the show versus tell stuff, I end up doing a lot of telling. Um, so that's one of my things that I get called on frequently by editors. It's like, yeah, I think you could cut that you know, a little bit too much exposition here. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, shut up. I know that. Yeah, pretty much. To do that. Yeah. Totally, yeah. totally meant to use the word said five times in that paragraph. I, I did that on purpose. I'm trying to keep you on your toes. <laughs> <laughs> trying to pay um, you for something, editor. No. That's right. <laughs> like the ones when you accidentally type the same word twice, like two or three times, because like, in your head, you're trying to figure out what you're saying, but somehow your hands are still moving. Uh -huh. So it's like, and, 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 and then the ball rolled. And it's like, you don't even catch it. Like mm -hmm. when you read back through it, you just completely skim back over it. And then you yes. get a message from your editor it's that's like, did you, did you stroke out? Like what happened? <laughs> well, and, you know, and I have friends who actually will dictate their stories and I don't know how that works. You know, I, I have to have hands on the keyboard, but, and I am not a handwriter. I cannot do that. Ooh, um, so I'm all keyboard, but yeah, I can repeat. I can repeat a lot of words in one paragraph. <laughs> and that's what I was doing earlier today was cutting them out, cutting them out. You know, I started with the 44,000 uh, word story. I'm not sure how many are gonna be left when I'm done, um, but it'll be a better story. <laughs> I mean, that's very, very cool. Like the, you, you do have to go through that and cut and know when to cut and also observe yeah. it yourself, yeah. right? You yeah. know, and again, that makes you better, better off yeah. through the process. Yeah. Um, what is something that will, do you, well, let me ask the first question is, do you always finish books when you started to read them? No, <laughs> I honest to God, if I don't, if that book doesn't um, grab me in the first I want to say three chapters, but that's just because I'm a three chapter. I'm so used to that habit myself as your first three chapters. But if I can't get into that book in the first quarter of the book, I'm not. I'm just not. Um, I, I just can't. If, there, if there's something there that doesn't work for me, if there's the character is just not going anywhere, if the plot is like I'm still waiting for the plot kind of a thing sometimes, I just can't do it. Or if the writing, honest to God, if the writing's bad. <laughs> um, that, that's my biggest turnoff. Sometimes I can hang in there with a story, particularly if it's an author that I know and I always feel obligated to read the whole book, especially if it's a Kindle book and you know you get paid for the page re reads and all. But well, I'll tell you, if the writing's bad, I can't stand it. I just can't deal with it because I start editing. <laughs> I'm like, you should have cut that. Oh no, you shouldn't have said that. Oh, you need some, you know, then when I have to edit somebody else's already published book, then I'm not finishing it because that's not why I bought your book. <laughs> so no, I don't always finish them. Mm -mm. Do you do book reviews for people? Do you review books you read? I have. Yes, I have. Um, I try not to say yes to books that I didn't really care for. 
because and the same with reviewing online because I review under another person. Um, I won't review a book if I don't like it. You know, I won't leave a review if I don't like it. Um, but yeah, I've written, written reviews for folks, but I'm not the kind of reviewer that's going to give you a book report. You know what I mean? You see that online a lot of times. Somebody just gives you a play by play. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want that, you know, and I don't want to read it. And thank you for leaving that on mine. That's really sweet of you. I'll hire you to write my synopsis next time. But, you know, that's, I don't want to know what he did next and did next and did next. I want other parts of it. So, but yes, I do review books and I, and I review them for the kinds of reasons that I like to read them. I like the voice. I like the, I really go for the author's voice. If I think that's a good voice, I'm really going to be hooked on that book. Um, they can make a few mistakes here and there, don't all authors, but if that voice is, is strong and carries through the book, then that's going to carry me through the book. No. I, I agree 100%. Joe, next question, my dear. Okay, this is my new favorite question. If you could choose between having the ultimate get out of jail free card or a key that would open any door, what would you choose? Oh, the key to open any door. Why? Um, really? Because I'd look for all these doors to open. You know what I mean? I mean, it's like I got like. I don't want to get out of jail. If I'm in jail, I got three meals a day and all's good. And they do the laundry and all that kind of stuff. So why would I want out of jail? But if I had a key, I could follow my adventures. I could go here and see if that locks. And if it does unlock, ooh, what's behind that door? So yeah, I'd like the key. Yeah. That, that's very cool. So you're, you're moving into some sci-fi stuff. Is there any genres that you go, I will never write that. I can't write that. I can't write erotica. Um, subgenre erotica or any of those kind of like high steam books not that I couldn't I mean but after a while and no offense to anyone in the world that writes these things I mean that's not the point of a story and when that's all you read in a story it's like oh my god you know, See, those are not well-written erotica books. Like I, we, yeah, true. we have a lot of erotica writers. I know a lot of erotica writers. I'm an erotica writer, but um, how you do it is what is the story behind it? It just yes. has sex in it. But yes. if all you see is the word cock 50 times, in yes. life, you're like, yes. cool, you know, that you're not doing it right. We don't, that's just porn at that point. That's not even erotica. Well, that's right. That's porn. right. That's right. And there and there's there's a bit of sci-fi that's kind of what some of us call behind the scenes call the sci-fi porn thing right now. It's like, okay, sci-fi's big, throw porn in it, you know. And but I, I can't write that. I just can't write that. It's not because I can't write it. I could write it, but I just don't feel the authentic um connection and the other than just dropping it into a story, which isn't right. You know, like you said, it's gotta have meaning. There's got to be characters and there has to be meaning in the story. And I think for me, that's hard. Um, I've got one buddy that writes wonderful erotic books. She, she started writing those. That's how she started writing was that. And now she writes all these other wonderful genres. And I don't know how she did that. I don't know how you just sit down one day and say, I'm going to write this. Um, a lot of reading first and reading good stuff and bad stuff and figuring out your pathway in it. Well, I think that's how you should do writing to begin with is writing yeah. good stuff and bad stuff and also have read a lot of what you write because I think yeah. it's important to understand what other people are writing, not to mimic and not to copy, but just to go, 
how how is this done? There's a craft to yes. writing these books, whether yes. it's fantasy, sci-fi, erotica, romance, sweet romance. No formulas, but there's definitely there's elements. Yeah, <laughs> elements. The, the elements. good ones definitely share certain things in common. Yeah. Yeah. Like the ones that you keep going back and reading, no matter what the genre is, they all have something in common. It's a yes. very nice balance that is found and that they work through. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, but again, it goes back, first of all, you know, the, there's the, the freedom of being a writer and being able to write whatever you want. Great. But there's also reader expectation and, and you just can't, you, you can't separate the two. You, you know the reader expects something and, and you got to meet that expectation. Sometimes you surprise them and maybe you'll take them in a little bit different direction. But at the end of the day, there's an expectation, you know, and every writer spins something a little differently than the other guy does. And that's the joy of discovering new writers. But yeah, you got to know your reader and your reader, um, you know, that crowd, who, who are those people? Who wants to read this and read other stuff that, that is popular? I hate that word, but popular and then go, aha, I get it. But that takes some time. You can't just sit down and say, oh, I'm going to write this genre or I'm going to write that genre or I'm going to write that subgenre. You have to do some work. No, it's very true. We are at the end of this podcast again. Do you see how quickly that just arrives? It just, yes. Zoom. Way too quick. Zoom. zoom. <laughs> That's ironic. It's Zoom. I just uh-huh. got And I didn't uh-huh. even do that on purpose. And it's terrible. Like okay. So, Candace, tell people how to find your books. Okay. You can go to Amazon. Everything I've ever written is on Amazon. So, you can go there. I have a lot of books that are for free and Kindle and um Kindle Unlimited. And I'm also wide in some areas. There's some on Apple, there's some at Kobo, blah, 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 blah. But if you want to know, go to my website, CandiceColt.com. That's where you can sign up for my newsletter, get my free read. And that's when you can find out more about me, read my blogs. And hopefully you will sign up for my newsletter though, so you can keep up with me. Very, very cool. Great idea. You have been fantastic to have on the show. Thank you so much for being here. We, uh, we, the collective, we loved it. You guys made it so easy. Awesome. I'm glad you think so. Well, guys, this has been Drinking with Authors, our literary briefs edition. I've been your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today has been the amazing C.R. Rice. And our guest has been the very, very popular and famous Candace Cole. So <laughs> I am now. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.